0: Welcome to the Citizen Centric Podcast, transforming our cities with technology and sharing. Okay, uh, welcome to the Citizen Centric Podcast. My name's Ken Dooley, and we're joined by Sampo Hietanen, who's the CEO of Mass Global. Welcome to the podcast, Sampo.
1: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Um, okay, great. So uh, I've, I've said this many times, and actually I think we've mentioned you guys on every episode of the podcast so far, um, simply because it is that really easy, in a nutshell, uh, approach of, of what a citizen-centric service means, and that if we focus on, let's say, citizen-centricity, what do we get out of that? Um, so with regards to kind of the starting point then... Um, I recently read an article where you described as the pioneer of mobility as a service, I'm sure you're sick of hearing that phrase, um, and the person who's developed the constra- concept from an abstract idea to a real service. So to start us off, would you like to kind of explain mobility as a service in a nutshell?
1: Well, yeah, I don't get too tired of it. I'm, I'm actually amazed that something, something like a phenomenon like mobility as a service can derive from a small place like Finland, from a, from a civil engineer who's done nothing much so i think it's kind of proves that there's something good in the world because i know that there hasn't been any lobbying it's just people getting excited in a nutshell after having thought about the concept for quite a long time i would put it in three three words or three things it's for people and yeah it only starts from there it's anywhere anytime on a whim okay can we deliver this dream because for the individuals, it's about dreams. And if we can't deliver dreams, well, then we're not solving the issue. So,
0: so how do you connect, then, the dreams to mobility? I have to, yeah.
1: I have to admire uh, Ford, Henry Ford for, for actually bringing this idea. You have to remember, if we take 100 years back, yeah. the whole idea of automobile for even common folks, it was an idea the whole world at my feet. Yeah. I, I everything I can go to, which must have meant more like going to the moon thing. Yeah. It, it's a liberating thing. Oh my God, I could go anywhere in the world. Yeah. And if we're and, and we have to have to think about this as disruption. Yeah. and disruption only happens when the individuals get excited about it. So we have to fulfill at least the same dream. Yeah. And what the car as, as a dream for the individuals, because yes, I'm a transport engineer myself we do not solve this on a map. Yeah. You can try all you want, yeah. all the traffic management we've done for 50 years now, let's face it, it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, how about solving it by servicing really people? How do you service people? It's by fulfilling their dreams. I would argue that that dream of freedom, freedom of mobility, freedom of movement, it's probably one of the biggest ones. After my, my house is where yeah. we're where yeah. gonna go from there. Yeah. And that's what the car delivers so beautifully now when i thought about it like 10 years ago about this okay well what could deliver the same thing and i've given over 2000 speeches almost anywhere you can ever think of I've, I've given a speech and i always tend to ask people so what would compare with car ownership yes. what would it take for you to give up what would be more than car ownership yes. and the answer is always the same When you think and you think and you ask and you ask it's always if you could promise yeah. if you could promise and it's what what do i need to promise anywhere anytime on a whim when you go and buy your car, and this is what is hard for us engineers, yeah. is you're not thinking about your next ride, not even the week. You're thinking, am I covered for all my rides? Yeah. And if if I need to think of it also, that's that's what people value. If we take a couple of examples, we take Tokyo, for example, where you, know, you have to actually have a dedicated parking space to be even able to buy a car. So yeah. it's pretty expensive to buy. Yeah. People do it. Still, over 50% of the people uh, of the cars are driven less than once a week. Yes, we have, now,
0: we, have we have this in, uh, huge problem in Amsterdam as well. same
1: yeah. and in Helsinki city center people say people come to me yeah I have this huge SUV hanging there but I need it for our summer house. Yeah. I, I now this is where the engineer in me says oh but that's so silly. Why on yeah. earth are people yeah. so silly? Why are they not rational? Because we're not that's the thing
0: and this is where the environmentalist in me says that's not very resource efficient
1: no it isn't and then that's where the businessman should actually arise and say hey there must be something in this if it's a completely underused asset there's something in people's mind that they're willing to ridiculously overpay for something that they're not using so what do i have to do to get the same money out of them so that's why i'd say one of the biggest questions for environment but at the same time for the for the growth of uh, production productivity which means yeah. that the growth of gdp yeah. is this question what would it take for people to give up their cars meaning that the value still stays what do i have to do that's of the same value let's remember out of yeah. this 10 trillion dollar annual business 76% lies on that car and this You have to get into the minds of these one people. And it, I'm happy here, not, not of the tens of thousands that use actually around Helsinki, yeah. much more about those one people where we yeah. say, hey, now you got it, yeah. this is enough, okay. it's enough.
0: And now I have you in the room, I can kind of ask this as well. Um, what was the kind of aha moment for you? Were you stuck in traffic? Was it business? Was it climate? Um, w- where did this come from originally?
1: Do you want to know the real story or yeah, a nice story? I
0: want the real story, yeah.
1: Drunk on a plane. Okay. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, I saw the first slides that were exactly like what, what we're doing now. Yeah. Um, I've been on to a bit of this subject, but then 2006, I had to give a speech to a bunch of civil engineers uh, in, in um, I think it was Van Hasatama. Yeah. And I was coming out of London, and for some strange reason, I don't know why, back then I was in business, and, and the stewardess said, okay, well, you're the only one here, so please drink some of the champagne. I said, okay, I can take one glass, I ended up taking a couple. Okay. And I was preparing the presentation about how will technology change our beloved transport sector. Yeah. And and I thought, okay, since I've been working quite a lot with, uh, with the telecoms, mm-hmm. why don't I may- draw an analogy of, yeah. okay, how was the telecom industry? in the 80s, yeah, and how is it now? How are the structures of the business? Yeah. And if I compare that to transport, and and it was like, because yes, the structures actually in the 80s were same. Yeah. We decided on on communal level, what's the price of call for between Helsinki and Turku, for example, yeah. and everything was state-owned, all of these. and And the big thing that happened was that all of the money within the ecosystem started flowing directly from the consumer, and then I realized, well, we didn't have personal uh, mobile operators or teleoperators there. It was the, it was the family phone, yeah. like a family car now. Yeah. Now we all have our own personal mo- yeah. mo- mobile operators. And then I also realized, well, it is about connecting people, but this time it's physically. And that just really, really yeah. struck me that, okay. And then, then I started looking, okay, there must be something and there, there must be a disruption also in the field of mobility, because it would be a bit naive to think that no, no media and many others, they've been Mm -hmm. disrupted, but our beloved transport will never change the structures of it. Then I thought, okay, if we believe that there's a disruption, how will it happen? What will be the the idea of it? Uh, Normally in any disruption, you look at where the first you look at the user experience, how would people perceive it? And and this, I think that people want to have someone just sort it out for you because we're lazy, that's fine. And secondly, what what will be disrupted? Because on the other hand, on the macroeconomic side, you need you need something where a, a huge productivity leap is possible. Yeah. And then having a look at this this ARPU, because all my friends were in the in the mobile sector back then, and they yeah. were saying you're in this small transport where you know yeah. this is small mo- m- mobile is big. Yeah. And then I had a look at their the, the one thing that they use as as an indicator is always this ARPU, mm-hmm. average revenue per user monthly. Okay. And it's about 20 to 30 euros in Finland now at the moment for uh, mobile. It didn't exist, but I, I really looked and looked and looked and found out that actually in mobility, it's 300. So guys, this yeah. is 10 times bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a huge thing. And if you then look at, okay, wh- where's, the, where's the big productivity leap? Yeah. And that's in the car. I mean, yeah. 76% lies on a car that's used 4% of the time. It, it's yeah. shouting for a change. But that change won't even get started unless for the individual you provide dreams that are better yeah. they have to be better
0: Yeah, and I, I suppose one of the problems with the built environment as well is these master plans that were thirty year, re- written 30 years ago and even for something like we're quite close to Jetskasada here which we were working on 2012 maybe in, in kind of, at a kind of planning of services level the master plan had been written 10-15 years earlier and you were locked in so kind of plugging in services into that city scale then is, is where the change can come and is where the productivity can come. Um, what's the elevator pitch for, for you guys, let's say, for, for, to a city? Um, if you have to speak to a city government to kind of back you or to promote you, or what, what do you say to the city? Is it a different message than to the, to the consumer?
1: Uh, yes and no it's a big ecosystem and of course there are many effects into it so you emphasize a bit of different things but the the the, the idea is all the same the elevator pitch to cities is look uh first of all you want something for the people that would be that would compare with car ownership because that's where things start now you can't do it with traffic management sorry guys it's, you can do all you want, but people are kind of stubborn in their ways, and they will keep on buying cars if they can yeah. because it's the most desired thing out there. Now, we can at least stand a, stand a fair chance to enable people a, a decent life mm-hmm. without being forced to own a car. Yeah. So we stand a chance for that. Uh, secondly, we don't need huge city or government projects to do that it has to work on B2C terms. So all you have to do is make sure that your city is open, meaning everything that you provide, public transport, whichever services you do, please allow them to be part of the actual offering. Uh, And we don't even need exclusivities. There's no need for that. So in a way, we can be a tool to enable your policy goals without you even having to spend money. Now, this sounds too good to be true oftentimes, yeah. so that's why many of the cities feel, no, 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 there, there's something cheeky about this, so yeah. let's let's stall, let's do all of those things. And in all honesty, there are, there are in any disruption, not all the outcomes or scenarios are necessarily good. That's why I always advise cities: stay on top of the market. Don't try to be the service provider; you can't. There's absolutely no way. Yeah. But be on top of the markets. Make sure that the rules of and the vision of how the markets are yeah. are yours, not not mine or any commercial player.
0: And and you mentioned you mentioned a while ago about the kind of three the three points. Um, do, do people kind of take mobility in their car for granted? So they don't really. It's not something they question. They might question, you know. Um, how much champagne they drink on airplanes? They might question if they get enough exercise. Um, is what's you mentioned convenience? Is it convenience that you guys are selling to the consumer, or what's the kind of what's what's the what's the value proposition to the consumer to the everyday consumer you're selling?
1: Do you know there's one thing that I see? I was just in Australia. Yeah. Same thing there as every single country I go to. Yeah. Uh, somebody will come to me and say, "Well, yeah, maybe you Finns, maybe you Swedes, maybe you Australians might be different, but we Australian, we Swedes, with us, yeah. we, you know, we just love to own our cars, yeah. and that comes in sort of as a fact. And almost every time there's someone in in their thirties and says, well, not me. Uh, none of, me and none of my friends do feel that yeah. it's it's a thing.' So. I think we give too little credit for for the users actually. Look, they'll jump into something that's good, that services them, that does their life. We've seen in so many ways that for the young urban ones that we should be designing our cities. We should look at the 20 year olds and, and how they feel about now they're not in love with owning their cars. They just want to be connected nicely, have beautiful things available when they need it, but not really be stuck with something that they have to own. They'd like to postpone that. We see that in any statistics anywhere. They'd like to postpone that as as long as possible, but they're not willing to jeopardize their their convenience or their freedom. So if we can service them for longer, it is it, there seems to be demand and we've seen that there's actually much more demand than we, yeah. we ever thought of
0: Super. and and part of the kind of overview of the, of the podcast is that that kind of user-centric in a city or a citizen-centric means that it, it really is focused on save me time Um, give me a lot more choice of different services, Um, it's around the the city bikes in Helsinki are a good example because the kind of user friendliness of the app two years ago really made me kind of, that was a tipping point for me, Um, I wanted to use a city bike once but you know it's two or three blocks away and what happens if I turn up at the station and and it's empty, the fact that you can check, so there's this kind of time choice, um, user friendliness of the experience and then. And then for me, in the trends that I'm monitoring, it's kind of you know making me healthier. Uh, health and well-being is this massive global thing that's so hard to kind of, to kind of, to get your grips on, let's say, because sometimes it's so much about exercise and food. Um, and, and this takes me then. That, that's the kind of focus that we're seeing in cities, and from from a. A living point of view, we're seeing people wanting to live in smaller apartments and be more urban. Um, from a kind of items point of view, we're seeing people, you know, if you buy a snowboard now, maybe maybe you don't have room to store it, and maybe you don't want to buy it uh, because you might want a different one in two years, and maybe you definitely people aren't as used to maintaining their cross country skis or snowboards as the generation before. So there is this real value of kind of sharing, um, that to, for me comes down to choice. Time, um, you know, convenience, these kind of things. Um, so that kind of whole system view when we bring in health, that's that's kind of some of the things that Manchester are saying around the kind of cycling policy. They're saying we have congestion, um, we have obesity, um, and we have climate change issues in the city. And they have this kind of twelve billion bet on cycling and walking. Do you guys kind of focus on this, this, this kind of front, almost front of house and back of house? Uh, approach where the user gets time and convenience and choice, but the city gets congestion, less carbon emissions, um, healthier people. Is this something that you guys kind of talk about, or because I know you don't want to confuse the message? Hmm. But is this something you guys are aware of and, and, and an approach you guys buy into?
1: Well, I think of it this way. Nowadays, if you want to have any sort of disruptive offering, hmm. you want to do big things like yeah. like what the car did. Um, you need to think about three aspects. It has yeah. to work for three ways. It has to work for the individual. I mean, yeah. that's the first thing. You, you have to sell it to the individuals. You have to have something that they love. That's the that's sort of the, the tipping point that you have to yeah. do. But at the same time, it needs to work for the system, meaning that the city needs to function better. It needs to be more sustainable. <clears throat> you need to cut down on emissions. Yeah. Because if you're not, if your yeah. solution is not getting towards that, even for business, you'll hit a wall. Yeah. Come on, you, you can be happy for a couple of years and, and, and make a lot of money, but it, it'll not be anything that you know my kids will remember, because yeah. it does, didn't change anything. Yeah. But thirdly, it needs to make sense for the business as well. Okay. It is doable, it really is doable, with a bit of uh, business design and all of that. Yeah. How, what I like about this concept is that, look, if I, if I promise uh, I'll get you there, yeah. anywhere, anytime, and so on, yeah. Um, and I, I get a flat rate out of it. Yeah. Now, there's one thing I know about you or the average Joe. I know how many trips you're going to do. You're not going to have any more trips, even yeah. if I give you unlimited, whatever. Yeah. That means that if, if if I if the price point is set, this is what I'm getting for mm. delivering all those trips for you. Yeah. Now, how do I make profits out of it? it is by keeping the product low, product, production costs lower than what I'm yeah. getting out of you. Uh, how do I do it if I if I believe and that's true that over the overpopulation I know the kilometers I have to produce yeah. so cheap kilometers good for me if you walk that's pretty cheap for me yeah. if you bike it's really cheap for me use public transport still cheap for me yeah. if I have to give the more, let's say, maybe aspirational, the, the ones that you're willing to pay for, which are then the taxis and cars and such, yeah. but the less I have to do, the better. Yeah. And there are multiple ways of doing that nicely so that you don't feel that you're losing out on convenience. There's one thing that also we engineers seem to have a bit of a problem is that we think that, you know, here's some, bo- some boys like this. Yeah. He likes to bike and he likes to do so. Let's, yeah. let's put him on a bike. But the thing we like is choice. Yes. I mean, today, beautiful out there, I feel sporty, uh, definitely bike's all for me. Yeah. Maybe today we're going out for drinks, tomorrow I don't feel sporty at all. Yeah. I just want to have a bad hair day and put me on a pot where nobody sees me yeah. and, and get me there. So we need to feel that we are in control. Yeah. We need people to feel that they're in control, but that's not enough. Yeah. Just giving them data is not going to be. They need to feel serviced and in so many ways car is is a perfect one they've kind of outsourced in the mind dream is your you're really fast in you're moving and then you know if you're if, if you're in a bus or you're in a, in a taxi or anything yeah. and you're delayed you blame the bus or taxi yeah. you never blame your bmw for being yeah. late you blame the government yeah. so beautifully designed <laughs> concept in that sense but in a way we'll just have to emulate the feelings that that the, the good feelings that car brings and it doesn't happen by preaching or anything. It's by saying how good it is. Yeah, and trying so, to go after. So,
0: so and I, I guess that's that's the elusive thing. That's where we see the change. It's regards to uh, it's where do you start with the story? You know, so you do have the business benefit, and there is a system benefit. Um, but how do we how do we create that behavior change? Um, so you know, historically, you know, again from my kind of climate change background, you know, the red meat discussion is. Um, hey, this red meat is expensive. You know, you know, you could have less meat and eat more vegetables, and you know, save money. Or, or you have the kind of climate guilt point of view. Let's put carbon footprint labels on meals. Mm. Um, Max Burgers in Sweden have done really good stuff on the PR around that. But still, it's 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 built around guilt. Um, the kind of World Health Organization's kind of perspective on on red meat. Now, you know, this is kind of bad for you. So the tipping point there maybe comes around health or is driven by that perspective, but then the system the system benefits kind of come in, in the end. We're seeing that around citizen services and we're kind of seeing um, the perspective of, of Manchester as being, this is healthier and it'll save you time because there's less congestion. Um, but we haven't always come from that perspective before the kind of system side the kind of supply side of services or the infrastructure side of cities. We've kind of come from, you know, the preachy or the incremental efficiency of our system. Um, I think the kind of perspective of service design now of this convenience, is it's kind of new for us.
1: But in a, in a way that, in, in many of these changes, Guilt is kind of uh, laying the back background work. Everybody yeah. knows I should, I should, I should. Yeah. But until somebody makes it so convenient and easy yeah. that for me it's actually yeah. better, I wouldn't. But it gives you, uh, let's say, a bit better chance of sales. Yeah. So not to say that the guilt trip wouldn't be, it wouldn't be uh, important, but alone it never did too much of things. Now for the Manchester Manchester case and biking and all of that, it is more about also. Cities having the guts to start living yeah. the future. Now, I was um, in New York this spring in a in a design uh, in, in Smithsonian Design yeah. Museum. Really on cool. the on the other side, there was WIM, but there was something much more, much bigger on the other side. There was the actual uh, Futurama uh, designs of a city from yeah. the I think it was from the thirties. It really changed the world. Yeah. World needs dreams, yeah. and that, that the idea of car and the freedom and then somebody building a city wow hey we could have industry here recreation housing here and car to connect it all and without questioning without any data it's just a big dream and all of us urban planners we still kind of live that live the outcome of yeah all all of these bikes and stuff are nice on the side if we have a bit of extra money we could do a bit of that but the real thing of where the time and cost yeah. and all of that efficiency is is on the let's let's just make sure that the, the traffic flows are good because that's where 99 percent of the, all the budgets are now i'm waiting for the first cities to think that okay let's assume for now that there is a disruption and there is the the car ownership will no longer be the primary means for people to satisfy their needs for freedom of movement Uh, it will be some sort of a combination of services which probably are somehow looked from from an operator perspective now this changes if the demand for transport because we don't build these roads these sort of skeletons of a city we don't build them just for the fun of it we build them because there's a demand now if the demand changes we should think of the logic of the city i'm really waiting for the new futurama the 2.0 version which in my in my perspective now if if you if you think of any city whether it is manchester helsinki yeah. dublin whatever yeah. you kind of uh, picture that in your head through the corridors we mm-hmm. always talk about corridors yeah. now this is for the car centric world corridors other things for the new environment and this is really crucial for any city it's about the hubs
0: yeah
1: so interconnected hubs because if we want this to be a good future for the system, but also for the citizens, yeah. then we need to have these hubs that connect. People have to love the change, not, not accept yeah. it. Now, this is a big difference. Yeah. Not accept the interchange, yeah. but to love it. Yeah. And, and this, for any city that wants to thrive, they need to think about it that way. Yeah. So you need to accept it, but that's not enough. The, the part where you change from one mode to another needs to be the best time of your life it's not so much you talked about the the time time is important but by far not the most important thing it's it's what you value in your time and now i would argue that the if we make cities where the hubs you consider that your time instead of wasted time where you calculate the time it becomes on the friction side on the plus we've done it everything's good after and, that.
0: And from your perspective, the, the, those hubs are, are transportation hubs, yeah. obviously. Um, but from, they can't be just that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what I was going to say. So, when we talk about kind of future of cities and, and how the kind of how future of work kind of clicks in in these things. Um, part of the dialogue has been um, how many days a week will I go to my place of work? Is it two? Is it three? It definitely won't be five in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So then, um, and when I was finishing my PhD, I spent let's say two days a week in a local library. Uh, it had really good food. I could cycle there. So the point of view there is if we're not in our, in our place of work um, for if we're not our place of work for half the week, then that local neighbourhood hub where we kind of meet our neighbors and we this kind of third place where we do some work. Um, and and th- this is becoming really important, this kind of network effect. People have said, so um, we get all our food delivered by Volt and Foodora. Mm. We get um, our groceries delivered by um, by City Market or Alepa. Um I'm wealthy enough to have a car and never bump into people in public transport. Mm. Um, so now, not only is it is it the public transportation uh, hubs and, and this kind of but these kind of community hubs where where you rent a city bike or these things you should own like DIY tools and you also do some work there. It's also really important for this kind of people are calling it serendipity meetings that you bump mm, into people exactly and that's the other kind of finger of, of health and well-being is this kind of perspective of loneliness that protect so the hubs from a transportation point of view and from a kind of a work there eat there kind of sharing perspective um, they seem to be really important because of this this extra benefit of um, I don't have to own a car either if I'm working in my local neighborhood to two days a week that 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 commute has been reduced um, so they, they, they kind of these hubs mm-hmm. with some public transport, with some kind of some some library working space, with some kind of sharing economy perspective on those things you shouldn't own. Um, that isn't only in transportation. We expect them over the whole kind of neighbourhood life.
1: I think so. Yeah, it has to, for system perspective, it has to have sort of a couple of things. First of all. Um, they need to be pluggable. And and I mean, this is not just the APIs and digital world. They, whatever comes, and there's so much innovation that's coming into the field of mobility now. And these city hubs that then then go into something that's a bit more effective. So yes, it's public mass transit in that sense, but they need to be plugged in with whatever innovation comes. And I would say, take Helsinki for example, if we'd have, hey, here's 150, 200 hubs you can plug in your innovation into. Yeah. We don't even know what they are now, yeah. but there's a lot yeah. of that's coming. Yeah. But allow that to plug into a system where it really works. And if, if you do that, then, then city becomes a platform for innovation yeah. instead yeah. of being wildly all over these places. It takes a while. It takes a new whole new holistic view of how do we design the cities. Because I was just in London and I said, look, these hubs will be, of course, the tube stations. Yeah. Have a look at them. Yeah. How do you plug into them? Yeah. Look, look at the surroundings. Are they equipped for that? And they're not, because we've considered everything about corridors and sats, and those are not places to you, to really plug in with all kinds of yeah. different things. Secondly, like, like I think that they, it has to become the the moment of your of your day that you really enjoy, which yeah. means that there has to be so much else there, so much other beautiful yes. things. Yeah. Uh, Good thing about my, my job now is I get to go a lot of places and, and see all kinds of things. In northern Italy, I saw a thing that really shocked me as a, as a civil engineer. They made a comparative su- study because, you know, there's the, because we engineers, we always think about the time cost thing, yeah. and you know, where the value is. If that was the most valuable thing for people, we all would be buying the cheapest kiosks, would we? Yeah. Because that would be rational. We yeah. don't we buy something else yes. and there's a lot of value in between yes. and we have to focus on that one also and for the cities to come on the same playing field and <clears throat> they made a study of um, you know the normal acceptance of going to a bus stop or something is, is 300 500 meters something yes. like that yes. uh, but if you have a beautiful environment it's up by, by plus 70%. Yeah. To me, that changes everything yeah. in, in urban planning. If we make really enjoyable, beautiful environments to yeah. walk, people accept more so you can have hubs that are not so close to each other and you can have more frequent and so on and yeah. so on. We just kind of forgot this one thing of beauty as a measurement in any yeah. of those formulas. Or do you see them in any of the traffic uh no, no, no. You I'm
0: don't. actually gonna. We, we have an event on Wednesday called Future Spaces in Helsinki, and uh, actually one of the guys with us is Kimo Ränka, who mm. talks about beauty as a, as a kind of metric in the city yeah. all the time. So I'll i bring this up with Kimmo.
1: Uh, I, I can show you the picture because it's 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 sad, but that that kind of that's the first actual, uh, and there are so yeah. it proves that hey, but I see it in my own day. I mean. I walk, I, I take a bus yeah. uh, to, to the train station and yeah. I walk some, some, something about a kilometer. Yeah. That's my time. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. the day, that's the yeah. part of my life that I really enjoy. Yeah. Now, when I used to work in near Lippavara, certainly not my time. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. Because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the environment is not such... So yeah, that's
0: um, uh, just a few questions then before we go. Uh you mentioned data a moment ago. And actually I saw a really good presentation from your guys at Helsinki Design Week last year um, mm-hmm. at the data driven design day. Um and you guys have done you've been developing your data protection practices lately with HH um, the, a local law firm. What's the what's the reason behind that? What, what was the starting point of 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 doing that?
1: Well, The starting point is you have to have sort of principles straight. Uh, First thing is that I'm a strong believer that the, the disruptive model where, you know, people are your product and their data is something that you, you then sell, that's kind of come to an end when we go to bigger bigger fields like, like mobility. Yeah. I mean, the value of data for a person a month is something like 20 cents. Now, yeah. if we're asking hundreds of viewers from you, yeah. we're not going to make you angry for selling that data. So yeah. data is yours as an end user. That's kind of the policy. We just need a lot of data to serve you better, but you decide how you use it. We're not going to sell it. Now, having said that, Uh, the whole concept of mobility as a service is something where I strongly believe that we should utilize the existing resources which means that our product is lying on top of third-party service providers that are used by others as well so we don't have any dictating power on them or anything like that at the same time (coughs) our service can only improve if they improve so the more data we allow all the partners, including the city, but all the transportation service providers to have, the better they can improve. Yeah. Now, that means then finding a balance of trying to allow as, as much data flow so that, so that the services can be developed, but making sure that the end user Feels that they, they can they can share the data and they can feel comfortable with us that you know, look we're not we're not giving away their personal data just for yeah. for every single t- yeah. purposes because I know people are sceptic about
0: that. Um, but but it's it's an important element. I have a city as an innovation platform kind of presentation. I, I, I've given and I have a slide which shows me uploading my diary to the city platform, mm-hmm. um, and immediately it kind of selects some mobility options. Um, it might even say um, okay this you know would you like there's an uber pool or there's a cultural plus kind of, mm-hmm. would you like to upgrade for this one journey or whatever and then it selects some kind of co-working spaces for the day based on my meetings that day um, it might even select some kind of the co-working spaces based on where my colleagues are mm-hmm. or it's around the corner from your favorite lunch spots so there is this value um, Generated by you know uploading my diary to the to the city system, but there's all those negative elements that, that potentially come. Um, and and how do you see that working? Do you see it as I think I think in Amst- with the Amsterdam guys we interviewed recently, they were they were saying they as a city want to set the rules and they as a city want to kind of police the rules. And it's more something is something like your mobility usage or so so my whim usage. Would I like to share this with these companies? Um, and maybe if I share it with Helsinki City, or if I share share it with WeWork, um, who we talked about these things a few weeks ago, then WeWork give me a discount or something like that. Um, but it is some kind of you know I I select who I sh- who I share my whim data with.
1: Yeah, I personally think that as long as people know where yes. the data is going, what they're getting for it, yeah. th- things are still fine. Yeah. It's the in the background this sneaky business yeah. that that I think will eventually have some hard times in the future. Also, there's a thing of, you know, the model of of commoditizing the actual service and selling the data in the background and, yeah. and, and giving people freebies for that. Yeah. You come into these more expensive to produce fields, and I think it'll go differently because the the, the data will flow free. I mean, yeah. we're not charging for, if you allow this, we're not charging for, for that or trying yeah. to make business out of it. Yeah. So it'll make it harder for the Googles and the others to keep on this... Uh, selling the data and and capitalizing on that one because you give it you give it for free for the WeWorks or for the city yeah. we deliver that free for them so yeah. why do they need to purchase them from some other source that's somehow in a sneaky way took it
0: yeah and what have you heard in your <coughs> network about some kind of central um, city data platform where where am i Mobility and where the kind of available spaces are, and, 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 and where, this, where the service provision is, is all in one place. So, you know, we even have a perspective where if I am driving my shared car and I want to park it somewhere, um, that I could see in real time every single city car parking space that's available because of sensors or something like this. Um, or that we have it connected to all those other services. the the nearest kind of gym or the nearest restaurant or co-working space is there one city or one kind of network or ecosystem that's kind of talking about these things more than others or
1: there are it's kind of the first step of trying to solve this issue and a lot of the cities talk about it that way it's a beautiful thought Mm -hmm. i i like it that you know the city would collect all the data and act as a platform for all the service providers and for the citizens sadly just doesn't work the thing is that the reason is that in this market the people like choices people like different types of options someone will like whim someone will like something else and that's how life should be yeah you know, we we have an Eastern neighbor where they tried it with a bit more controlled. Where it didn't really fulfill the dreams of people. People really like choices. Now, having the city be somehow uh, the connecting point or a really vital part of the value chain doesn't really work. They'll never be able to scale that, yeah. stay ahead of the pack in development and things. So whilst this sounds really nice, I, I really think that the cities should t- stay on top of the markets. Yep. Make sure that whatever anyone in this ecosystem does, it works in the favor of, of the system and for the citizens. Now, I would say that it's, it's smarter to dictate that the, the availability of different systems, let's say that the car shares uh, any of these services, and you say you want to work in our city, you have an API of these informations and we dictate that it's like this. We're yeah. not going to facilitate any joint platform. This is already a bit old fashioned because yeah. it's it's an API world, not, yeah. not platform world anymore. Yeah. So just make sure that, okay, uh, you want to work here? You want to have a, a car share? You want to have this type of parking service? You want to have this? Fine, We're, we okay that. But in the interest of our citizens and the system, uh, this is the API that you'll have functioning. We'll check that it really works. And and then our people can utilize it in combination however they want. Mm-hmm. That that's fine. So whilst whilst not being the active service provider, yeah. but definitely being the one that dictates how the how things are sh- should be in the city. Yeah. That yes, yeah. okay. I, I think it gives even a much stronger role for the cities than they have now. And it's
0: a more efficient use of their time. Yeah. Um. Th- keeping some of those discussions then with regards to kind of changing the city landscape. Um. What do you think about this idea where mobility as a service could be used to negotiate when building apartment buildings that you don't have to have car parking spaces? This has been something that's been a kind of hot topic over the last five years. Um, For example, the 20 year olds and 30 year olds um, who don't want to own a car, um, yet the master plan in the city says you have to build car parking spaces Mm -hmm. with apartments, Um, otherwise, the people who are just going to kind of clog the nearby streets or something have, have you heard or is there any cities discussing okay in this apartment building there isn't a car parking space per apartment but we require the owners or tenants to have one mass uh, subscription per year or something like this
1: it is coming uh, in Japan near uh, near Tokyo there are those elements just in Australia I saw that both Melbourne and Sydney are going towards that I know in London they're they're going about going about this. Vancouver is doing quite a lot on, on, but they they rely on this one mode car share. So th- there's a lot because, of course, that would be the jewel. Mm. It's it's also for a real estate developer the most unproductive thing is to build these parking spaces yeah. that are actually not creating any profits, just losses. Yeah. Well, you can't get rid of it. Now this is where it gets a bit tricky, uh, because if you do it in just one place, yeah. it's not systematic. No. At the same time, if you try to fulfill it with just some mode, saying that okay, you will have to have five car shares here yeah. but then jack will always have it the, the the summer that i need it so it needs to be the the service promise of anywhere anytime needs to be there i have yeah. availability of cars so it needs to get to a next level now the second thing is if you only have it in one place in Kalasatama, it's not systematic so Whilst we need to get towards that, I understand the city people that it's kind of hard in this in this phase. What I would think that would really help in this, we, we kind of need a new master plan for the cities. Something that people yeah. buy into and say, yeah. okay, well, this is the city we're going to start building. And it means these steps are going to be taken. And for example, you don't have to go with the, is it one per apartment or f- 0.5? You can just say, well, we allow the real estate developers to take an actual market price for the. And whatever is necessary, they will have to build, but mm-hmm. they can take a real price out of it. Like for example, here it would be roughly about fifty thousand per mar- per one parking. Where actually what they get now is ten to twenty thousand. Yeah. So it's subsidized with the rates of actually flats, which is kind of strange. We have a hidden subsidy just because of these. So it's not an easy yeah. task yeah. because you have to. You can't solve it with just this one thing because the car is already so systematic. And, uh, but you, I would say for cities, start with the master plan. Then it's easier with that vision to also justify these changes.
0: Yeah, and and that's 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 going to be something we have we have a lot of discussion on on kind of I think um, some of the local Rockley this kind of building construction. um, union is talking kind of urban user experience and trying to kind of facilitate some of these things. Maybe that's one thing that kind of stays on on a high level as to how do we create the kind of pilots and how do we kind of you know we, we, how think, do we create that system effect. We think
1: of it this way. yeah. It's it's hard to do pilots because yeah. people don't buy their lifestyle out of pilots. That's <laughs> that's yeah. just the reality. Yeah. We we with our designers all the time have we we go back to okay how what's the car doing so good yeah. And what's the car doing so good is for a person in in Kalasatama or any any of these areas, car will get you about 500 kilometers, any destination. And unless you can do something similar, don't come and tell him. So you have to be able to create services that actually give that same sentiment of freedom or you're not really doing anything. The problem is, let's let's think of it, go back to the days when cars were there. Yeah. Had we started, let's say, Kala Satama, there's a new thing called personal car yeah. that comes into place. Hey, let's start with the pilot pilot that we have roads in Kala Satama and you can drive around with your car in Kala Satama yeah. and the rest you'll have to do with horse. Yeah. Now how many people you yeah, think would have yeah, bought exactly, the car? Exactly.
0: Now maybe we need to provide, like, build nine city apartment buildings and a, a car parking building in the middle of it, and say in ten years' time this will be gone, and we use this car parking building in ten years for something else. I, I don't
1: know. Or it is doable. Now this is we we get to oh my god it's so distant future, but actually the the dream yeah. of anywhere anytime yeah. on a whim can be delivered with the services we have now. I mean, within the city, everyone's okay. In in Helsinki, we have beautiful public transport. We have good taxis, we have even bike shares, and we have all kinds of scooters now. So for within the city, uh, you're covered. Yeah. Y- you know, If you say, okay, everything from one-stop shop, we've got all these components. And if you're like, okay, yeah, um, yeah, that, that's enough. I, I've got it. Yeah. Now, then you say, but how about my, my summer house? How about Mekki yeah. What do we do with that? And if I say, look, I guarantee, and this is what we do already, yeah. I guarantee you a car. So any weekends you want to do, any weekends... You've got a car. don't worry. It doesn't mean that you have to give up the whole thing. Yes. You can always have it whenever you need it. And then we're on it. So it's it's not like we wouldn't have the components right now here. Yeah. It's just make sure that these are available. And yes, we are starting with first real estate developers to say, look, we guarantee that for X years you have everything you need. You have WIM subscription, so you've got all these. And that's enough then.
0: Yeah, and, that's, and that's a really good value proposition for the real estate guys because they're kind of, let's uh, you know, say, sticking services in where capital investment was normally needed. Okay, uh, that's a really good place to, to finish. Um, do you want to tell where the listeners can find you guys and, and, and hear more about?
1: Well, just go to the massglobal or wimap.com uh, websites or any of our social media. We're pretty active in all of these. Check it out. We'll add all, of, all kinds of stuff. And, of course, just go to the app stores and Google Play to, to download Wim. Test it out if you, could, if you could really feel free with that.
0: Okay. Thank you very much,
1: Sampo. That's excellent. Cheers. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Citizen-Centric Podcast. Transforming our cities with technology and sharing.